put our Bibles, if you will, this morning to Acts chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. We're going to read several scriptures as we get started today. Acts chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. It's good to see the Pever boys. When they were little, I told their daddy they need to be a wrestling team. Their mama didn't like that idea. They're big enough now they could do cage fighting, I think. Right? Y'all ready? Why are you hiding? That is Ethan Wooten down here. He snuck in on everybody today. Ethan graduated with honors from his training in the military, the only one in his training that had honors, and so uh, we're proud of him. Okay. See, Ethan, I did that for free. I didn't even charge you five dollars. Acts chapter 1, it's good to see you all this morning. Acts chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. Luke, the doctor, the traveling companion of the Apostle Paul, writes these words to us this morning. Notice what he has to say. The former account I made, O Theophilus, and he addresses Theophilus in the Gospel of Luke, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Then I want to read John chapter 20. Verse 1 and 2, where it says, Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, the woman who Jesus cast out seven demons, went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved, being John, and said to them, They've taken away the Lord out of the tomb. We do not know where they have laid him. If you go down, uh, Peter and John uh, run forward and investigate and find it as she said. It says in verse 11, But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She says, because they've taken the Lord. And I don't know where they've taken him. She finally sees Jesus, and through her tears and that early gloom, she thinks he's the gardener and asks where they've taken him. And finally, Jesus, in verse 16, says this to her. Mary, she turned to him and said, Rabboni, which is to be teacher. He said, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. One other passage of Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You cannot separate the cross and the resurrection. In the first part of verse 15, the Apostle Paul says he delivered these things to us because they are of first or utmost importance. Christianity rises and falls... On the fact that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. And then was raised on the third day according to our scriptures. 
If that didn't happen, we have no hope. Notice what he says. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I guess I'll go with verse 3. For I delivered you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. He was buried and he rose again on the third day, according to the Scriptures. That he was seen by Cephas, that's Peter. Then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. In other words, Paul says some have died. Why did he say that many? Because he wouldn't say, if you don't believe what I'm saying, look these folks up. Okay, he's a witness to it. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time, for I am the least of the apostles. I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecute the church of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me is not in vain. Let's pray. Father, it is so good to be in your house on Easter Sunday. It's so good to know that we serve a risen Savior. I thank you for all that went on during the Sunday school hour. I thank you for the music and the specials. And, Lord, just being able to shake hands and have fun in your church. But, Father, that's because we serve you, our risen Savior. Calm our hearts and minds to hear your word. Let it sink deep within and let us obey you in what we're supposed to do. Some need to come and accept Jesus publicly as their personal Lord and Savior this morning. Some need to come and join the church. Some need to come in rededication. Some need to come and lay their burdens at the altar and leave this place rejoicing in the risen Savior. You have your way with us, and we'll give you the glory that's due to you and you alone. I pray these things in Jesus' name. We come to really it's the Christian high day. The day we celebrate that Jesus is risen and he is risen indeed. Many skeptics through the years have tried to say that there was no resurrection. And we're going to look at some of those reasons they use. Sir Michael Faraday was a a great British chemist. He taught at Oxford. And he one day was accosted by one of his students, a brilliant young student, who said there wasn't any such thing as a resurrection. So Finley said, watch this. He had a small silver uh, little trophy-looking thing on his desk that he'd won for a physics prize. And he had a, a vat, a glass vat of acid. And so he went over there, and everybody's shocked. He just dropped that thing right down in there. And the acid just ate it up. It disappeared. He said, now watch this, boys. And He went and got some chemicals and he threw it in there. And all the silver sort of came together in a lump and sunk to the bottom. He took tongs and took that big lump of silver. He said, next week I'll show you what happened to this lump of silver. He washed it off. He took it to a silversmith who made a a beautiful little trophy for it. The next day he held it up and said, what do you think that is? They said, well, it's that silver that you made disappear and it came back. and, And there it is. He says, do you think that I, being a man... Just a chemist can just make the silver do all those things and then take it to a silversmith and have it remade into a, a more beautiful piece than before. If I can do that, don't you think God could cause a body to rise from the dead? Amen. See, it's of utmost importance that we realize that the Bible is very blunt. 
The Bible puts the issue this way again in 1 Corinthians 15. If Christ be not risen, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is also in vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses because we testify that God has raised Christ Jesus. Goes on and he says, And if Christ is not raised, your faith is in vain. You are yet in your sins. Those who have died in Christ have perished. But finally, he gets to the main point in 1 Corinthians 15, 20. But now Christ is risen indeed and become the first fruits of those who have slept in him. You see, we, we serve a risen Savior. And we have hope, real hope, because of the reality of Jesus' resurrection. And so... I'm going to just briefly mention five reasons for the reality of Jesus' resurrection. I want you to think on them, especially if you've not accepted Christ as your Savior. The first one is this. Notice the radical change in the disciples' life. The radical change in the disciples' life. What do I mean? When we see the disciples in Matthew 25, in Mark 14, in John uh, 18, 19, and 20, what we find out is they're cowards. Now, did you hear me? They're cowards. It says when you read those chapters that not a one of them stood with Jesus. Every one of them fled. Every one of them was afraid of dying. And they sure didn't want to be hanging on the cross with Jesus or beside Jesus. They were petrified. And that bunch of cowards, we find, I think it's in John 20, that when we see them again in Acts, they're locked in an upper room, shaking, worried that the next knock will be somebody coming to take them. And there they are. You see, we look at it with our Western minds. We look at it with what we've been taught. We look at it and say they should have known. But do you understand they didn't get it for a reason? Not one other doctor of Judaism was teaching that the Messiah would suffer and die on a cross and raise from the dead. They should have if they read their scripture and let the Holy Spirit lead them. But they weren't. Every one of them taught that Jesus or the Messiah, if he was really the Messiah, was going to reestablish the kingdom. And they'd be great once again. Throw off this Roman yoke. None of that happened. Here these disciples had put everything in their lives in the belief that Jesus was the Messiah. And they watched him die on the cross. Their dreams were shattered. Do you realize our God is the God of shattered dreams? Their world was turned upside down. Many of them had left their professions, left families, followed Jesus for three and a half years, and he died on that cross, and they saw him buried? Yep. If you're like that this morning with shattered dreams, Jesus wants you to turn your dreams where they need to be turned to him. But I said, you have to explain the radical change of the disciples. Because when we see them later on in Acts chapter 3, beginning with verse 13, this group that was so cowardly were standing 
and proclaiming in front of the very ones who were still vicious, still breathing threats, that they had murdered the King of kings and Lord of lords. That they had hung him on the cross, but God had raised him from the dead. Now what made the difference in their lives? Because they had seen the risen Lord. They knew who he was. You see, it wasn't just something happened. Jesus happened. He rose from that tomb and he's risen indeed. Some people treat the resurrection like the guy who saw uh, the Grand Canyon for the first time. You go there and it's got all those splendid sights. And when they ask him, he said, well, well, something must have happened here. Did you get that? Something must have happened here. Really? What did he think happened? Some Indian had a stick dragging behind a horse and dug the Grand Canyon? And that's why some people teach the resurrection. Well, something must have happened. Really? You look at the most monumental event in all of human history and you say, something must have happened. Well, if you don't believe, you have to first explain how did we go from a bunch of cowards to men who died for the cause of Christ over the next 30 years. You will die for an ideal, but you're, you're going you're to die for the truth. And the truth was, Jesus had raised and they had seen him. We need to ask, have we met the risen Savior? Do we understand that he puts lives back together and gives hope? Listen to me, and I want you to hear me. I want you to tie in 2 Corinthians 5.17 to the resurrection. If anyone is in Christ Jesus. He's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. These fellows were completely new. They were a different breed of disciples. They were rabid dogs for Jesus. And some of us want to sit there and go, another Easter. I bet that preacher's going to preach on the resurrection. You better believe it. Yet some of us act like we wasn't changed. Some of us act like life is still the same. If you're still the same after coming to Jesus, all you did was come. You didn't get saved. Now, did you hear me? You can't be the same when you surrender your life to Jesus. He won't have it. He who died and rose from the dead for you and for I or me for our sins isn't going to have the same old same old. If you feel that way, you need to get right with God this morning. The second reason that I believe in the resurrection is the total absence of Christ's body. The total absence. Think first of all of the religious leaders. In Matthew 28, it says when the guards they posted, because they'd fainted away when, when the stone was rolled back. And listen to me. The stone didn't have to be rolled back for Jesus to get out. The stone was rolled back so we could see in. See, there was an absence of the body, and those soldiers went up there. You see, in Rome in that day, you guarded a prisoner, you guarded something, and if it disappeared, you died. The religious leaders were so worried, and they said, here's what you do. You tell somebody that they stole his body, and they paid him money. And Matthew says that to this day among the Jews, that story is repeated. Well, how did they know that happened? Evidently, one of the soldiers told everybody else, here's what really happened. 
But see, there was an absence of the body. If the Jewish leaders really thought that there was a body to be found, there would have been an army looking for the body. They were scurrying everywhere. They couldn't find Jesus' body. It was gone. Why? He rose from the dead. Yeah. You see, and then I, I hear all kinds of skeptical theories. Oh, he's just in a coma. You know, he's up there and he, he got so dehydrated and everything. He passed out and they put him in that nice, cool cave. You know, that, that sepulcher, that, that tomb he was in. And he revived and came out. Really? I mean, I'm not smart, but I'm smart. That. Think about that. Those who don't believe in the resurrection, you just think he fainted. I want you to come to me after church. We'll get some deacons. We'll whip you with a cat of nine tails. We'll put a can of thorns on your head. We'll hang you in the sun on a cross with your hands pierced and your feet, feet for over six hours. And then we'll, we'll spear you in the side. And we'll put you and see how well you do in a tomb. First of all, if he just passed out, it says that Nicodemus and Joseph and Arathia wrapped him in gauze with 80 pounds of spices. You've been beat and tortured like that, and you just pass out, and somehow you're going to get all that off of you. Really? And then you're going to have the strength to roll the the thing away and walk into town and make an appearance and go hide and get well. You ever hear of a balderdash? How about Arkansas? Hooey? Didn't happen. There was no body because Jesus rose bodily from the grave. Stolen body. You think that group of cowards, before they saw Jesus, was going to attack a Roman garrison or a Roman guard and get Jesus' body? It wasn't happening. They were hiding out. I heard, well, you know, they just misplaced him. They went to the wrong tomb. Okay, now, I'm, gonna, I'm not trying to be crude, but I'm going to put this this way. If you have a loved one and they bury them, and you're there, how many of you are going to forget where they were buried? I still know where my mama's buried. I know where Brother Crease and Miss Crease are buried. I know where my nephew Robert's buried. I can keep going on. I know where many saints are buried. They were special. These women who had followed Jesus all the way and watched him die on the cross... I watched Joseph take him down and Nicodemus meet him and place him in that new tomb because he said there was a tomb near where he was crucified that no one had ever laid in, a rich man's tomb. This is a special place. It's going to be hard to miss. And you think that somehow they don't have sense enough to go back to the right grave? There was no body because Jesus rose. And we need to understand that. If you haven't accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, you need to. Now, I don't want you to be like some folks. I did with some folks like this. I, I witnessed to one not long ago. Well, pastor, I believe. What do you believe? Well, I, I'm a believer. What do you believe? Have you accepted Christ? Well, no, but I'm a believer. Well, then you don't believe. There's a difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. Do we understand? And I tried to explain to this, to this guy I was talking to. Him. I said, you see, saving belief means we commit. Head knowledge says, well, I know that, but I don't have to do anything about it. It's not true belief till you surrender to Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's called faith. 
And the Bible says when we place our faith in him and repent of our sins, we're saved. If not, we're still dead in our sins. Let's go on. The third reason, the witness of Paul. See, Paul started off persecuting the church. But when you look at Acts chapter 9, I'm not going to read it. Acts chapter 9, we see him going to Damascus to arrest those and carry them off to prison or to stone them that he finds that are of the way, the way of Christ. He meets the risen Lord in the Shekinah glory because it says a bright light shone and the voice spoke to Paul. And he says, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Well, Lord, who are you? I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. And he believed. He got up. They led him by the hand. He waited until Ananias came and touched him and said, welcome, Brother Saul. And the, I, the scales fell off of his eyes. And from that point on, he began to preach Jesus. He had a personal experience with Jesus. That was his witness. And he tells folks about it all through the book of Acts about what he was and what happened to him. We can go on and you can think about what about his gathering with all the facts. Those, those verses I read to you out of 1 Corinthians 15, he said he appeared to Peter. And he appeared to the other apostles. And, and he appeared to 500 at one time. And the women and then James, his brother, and me last of all. He gathered all the facts that we know Jesus is alive. Not dead, alive. Not only that, but he went around the world, the known part of the world, establishing churches. He was beaten. He was stoned. He was flogged. We can keep going on. He was put in prison repeatedly. Paul couldn't get a job as a Baptist preacher today. He'd been in prison too much. That's the truth. And for 30 years, he served Christ until they beheaded him outside of Rome. The reason I didn't crucify him is because Romans couldn't be crucified. And he was a Roman citizen. Until his dying breath. He said, I know in whom I have believed. And am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Why would you die like that? Because you had met the risen Savior. Why do I say you can't be the same if you've met the risen Savior? Because nobody else in all recorded history in our Bible was ever the same after meeting Jesus alive and well. It challenges us on how we live. The fourth reason, the gospel records. When you read the gospel records about the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, uh, don't be the skeptic say, oh, look at all these differences. There's something wrong. No, there's not. I could take this whole three or four rows right here. And they could witness a car wreck out there. And they could be interviewed by the police. And each one of them will have different details. But one thing will be clear. They all saw this guy hit that guy. The details make it personal and true. Because one will notice, well, the guy had a red hat. The other one said, no, he didn't have a red hat. He had a blue jacket on. One said, he drove a pickup. He said, yeah, it was a little pickup. Just more details. But the thing is, they got hit. And all the gospel records agree on one thing. He died on the cross and he rose the third day. Do we understand that? You see, we have to accept the gospel record and go forward in faith. There's one final thing that the skeptics can't put away. Because Jesus rose from the dead, the church exists today. Do you know how long they've been trying to stamp out the church, make the church irrelevant? Since the day Jesus ascended to the Father, Pentecost came and the church took off. Do we understand that? You see, your being here is part of Jesus' promise. He told the apostles, is your advantage I go? 
in John 16. Because if I go, I'll send the helper. He told the apostles in, in Acts, in that same chapter, you shall be my witnesses after you're endued with on high with the power of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes. And buddy, they had power. The church has been going on ever since. See, we worship a risen Savior. We celebrate a living Lord, not some die-dusty thing. It amazes me, and I want you to think about this before you tune me out totally. All across the world, people make pilgrimages. The Muslim goes see the grave of Allah. Okay. The Buddhists go where Buddha was buried. All their religious leaders, they know where they're think. Why do you think we don't have pilgrimages to Jesus' tomb? No bones there. He rose from the dead. It's sort of like uh, the great Bible scholar and preacher, Donald, Donald Barnhouse, said this. His wife had died. And he was left with four small children. They were going to the graveside. The funeral was interrupted at a stoplight. A truck, semi-truck passed by, and there was a shadow came across their car. He said, children, what would you rather have hit us? The shadow of the semi or the semi? They said, well, Daddy, the shadow. He said, that's what's happened to Mama. If she believed in Jesus. She's not really dead. She'll live forever. In sharing that in the sermon, he said, Lost sinner, you're going to get hit by the semi. Christian, you're going to get touched by the shadow. Now, which are you going to get hit with? If you left these doors today and something tragic happened, which is going to hit you, the semi or the shadow? There's only one way to know. What have you done with Jesus Christ? Have you accepted the living Lord as your personal Savior or not? You see, when you read that, that 1 Corinthians 15 passage, he said, what I received, I have delivered to you. And he goes on, and in the Greek it means it is of singular importance. And what he lists there is the cross and the resurrection. Have you accepted what Jesus did on the cross for you? Have you placed your faith in him and believed because he's the risen Lord, he can save you and one day you will rise also? If not, you need to take care of that this morning. If you haven't been living for the living Lord, you need to come down and rededication. If you need a church home, this is the place for you to be. Let's pray. And then we're going to stand and sing. Father God, it is Easter Sunday. We've got a good crowd. You're here, Lord. You promised us you'd be here. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we can believe your word and the evidences for Jesus' resurrection and the hope that we have because of that reality. He rose from the dead. He was the first fruits, and we will come later. Father, let us do business with you and get things right and know that we have eternal life. These things I pray in your name. Amen.